So Money episode 434, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wealthfront, the most tax-efficient, low-cost, hassle-free way to invest. Visit Wealthfront.com forward slash So Money. You're listening to So Money, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome. Happy Friday. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. It is Ask Farnoosh time. Lots of questions to get to. And I thought it'd be kind of fun this week and maybe in all of the forthcoming weeks to share with you a So Money moment that I've experienced in my life in the last week. Because we always have So Money moments. It's just a matter of appreciating them, reflecting upon them. And with me, of course, as always, is Sophia, my assistant. Hi, Sophia. Hello. Hello. <laughs> what do you think of this idea of sharing I our love it. moments? It's cool, right? Because it's um, I ask this question every day of my guests. I never really get to share mine. I'll let you know. In, I'll let you in on a secret no longer a secret, but uh, we cut the cord. We got rid of cable <laughs> over the weekend. It was a long time coming. I think we'd been frustrated with the bill. We we knew deep down that we weren't really getting the value. We are with Verizon Fios or were, and it was like over $150 a month. Crazy. And that wasn't just cable. It was in our internet, our landline. So we got rid of the landline and the cable. So we're saving about $60, $70 a month. You know, for what we're giving up, sometimes it doesn't feel like we're getting the best deal here. Cause like last night I wanted to watch Veep and Silicon Valley on demand and I couldn't because I didn't have HBO anymore, but now we're going to sign up for HBO Go. So that resolves that. But it's just one of those things we have to get used to it. And in the long run, we're going to appreciate this transition because 60, 70 times 12 is, you know, 800 some dollars a year. And times, you know, eternity, that's a lot of money plus interest. I'm I'm actually considering doing the same because I've been quite fed up with cable prices as of late. Yes. And there are so many headlines out there about companies that are innovating and making, uh, giving us access to our favorite shows in a far more affordable way. Hulu, for example, is like making claims that it's going to come out with something that's going to compete with cable companies. And of course, we have Netflix, we have an Apple TV. So I should say we're not like sitting... Uh, by candlelight reading books now because we don't have cable. Like we're still watching our favorite shows. And that was the thing. All of our favorite shows were typically on Netflix or Amazon or, you know, we could buy the movies online or something and, and watch them on our screen. So it doesn't really feel like a problem. And you heard it here first, folks. I mean, Farnoosh Trabi cuts cable. I can afford it. I just felt like it was a waste of our hard earned money. Next is you. I know. I'll I'll let you know when it happens because I think it is happening soon. What was your so money moment this week? Well, my so money moment is a little different. I am somebody who I do save my money. I will say I'm really good about saving and paying myself first, but I have not been shopping as much as usual. And even though I tend to, when I do shop, I do tend to get good deals. I just have not been shopping. So I'm very proud of myself for that this week. That is very impressive. Or so, because... <laughs> 
It's the summer and there's a lot of sales going on right now. There are a lot. And especially with July 4th coming up, it's like every other email to my inbox is about some amazing sale coming up. So I've just decided to kind of lay off the shopping and I'm really happy with with how that's looking in my bank account these days. (laughs) So a good, and I think I've been shopping less too, not because I've been really proactive about it, but I, I did this thing a few weeks ago, which has been wonderful for my inbox and my inbox maintenance is that I took, uh, I filtered all emails that have the word unsubscribe in them to a separate folder that I can check like once a day if I want, but basically it doesn't, it's not in my inbox view. And I did that because I wanted to stop getting solicitations and typically emails that have the word unsubscribe in them are promotional emails from J Crew or wherever that like I just don't need to be looking at. And honestly, I would wake up in the morning and I'd have like 40 emails and 99% of them were junky emails that I would be deleting anyway. So it saved me time. It has saved me also the chance to make an impulse purchase because I see something and I go, oh, I want it. And in through that, I think I've been spending less. So if anybody out there was is looking for like a behavioral trick or just a really good trick to get themselves to stay more focused on the emails that matter, do that. Take uh, a filter option and use the word unsubscribe, have that go to a uh, separate folder. And, you know, I do check, I have to though check that folder at least once a day because sometimes things do slip through the cracks that I actually do need, do need to read. <laughs> so that if you have been emailing me and I haven't been responding, that might be why because I'm behind on this, uh, this little folder. All right. What do we have to answer this week. What's first? Uh, All right. So our first question comes from Jeff. He's looking for someone or potentially a service that could do a comprehensive dissection of his financial situation for both himself and his small business. So um, basically looking for like a financial advisor? I guess. Yeah. The first meeting with a financial advisor is more or less that. It's not going to be super comprehensive. The first meeting is usually free. They want to more or less find out who you are, what you do, what your priorities are, your goals are, what you've been doing up till now. Uh, But as you decide to work together and you work closer to a goal, you and this financial advisor, this person will ultimately have to go through your financial situation. And if you do own a business, uh, they'll they'll want to look at both of your lives and all the numbers that are related to that. So I think in this case, you're looking for someone who is a financial advisor, perhaps also want to get like a tax attorney on your team or a CPA, a certified public accountant, because with the small business, there might be more expertise that they can provide as far as tax deductions, making sure that you're set up properly and appropriately as a small business, whether you are an LLC or an S Corp. I have a CPA and a, I did have a financial advisor. I no longer have a financial advisor, but when I did work one-on-one with a financial advisor, she and the CPA also communicated. So that's, I think, ideal for someone, at least in your stage. I no longer have a financial advisor uh, just because I felt that Tim and I had a lot of our needs met uh, through working with her over you know f- several years, our fee was invested wisely in her firm. You know she was giving us advice. There were resources that she was connecting us to. But now I feel like we've kind of figured everything out. We have our roadmap. We have our will. We have our insurance plans. We just 
need help with the investment component. And I feel that um, automated platforms are best, better for us. And so we've gone with uh, the automated platform route, which is going to save us thousands of dollars a year. And ultimately, I don't think dif- a difference in, in results. So that's just a little bit of a sidebar there, Jeff, about my life. But I think what you need is someone who is going to be able to know the numbers well. So that's a financial advisor, but also the taxes too. So maybe a CPA as well. Maybe start with the financial advisor because sometimes they can refer you to people that they like to work with. And that would be ideal is that you get two people on your team that are easy to work with. And where to start? You can go through word of mouth, talk to your friends, your colleagues, who do they like to work with? But also because if your small business is a very specific type of small business, talk to people in your space, other companies like you, other business owners like you, who are they working with? And then of course, there are websites like napfa.org, N-A-P-F-A, National Association of Professional Financial Advisors. They are fee-only financial advisors. You can look up a financial advisor that's near you. And like I said, the first meeting should be free. And if it's not, don't take the meeting. All right. Uh, Kevin's got a question, right? Yeah. So the next question is from Kevin and he says he's been listening to the podcast since last October and he's now interested in the financial aspects of business. So he has a question about financial certificates. He asks, have you ever heard of CISI and do you think this would help him land a job at a major bank? And do you know of any other financial certificates other than the CPA and CFA? I have not heard of the CISI. I'm Googling that right now. It's not clear to me what it stands for. I would say that before you spend any money on courses or certifications or programs, that you first figure out what it is that you want to do and then reverse engineer that. That's how I've done everything in my life. You know, I don't just take chances, especially when it's going to be costly. Uh, I don't know how much this certificate costs, but you know, the certificate programs can mean the thousands of dollars. And then there's also your time. So you definitely want to first look at where you want to be, what role do you want to play in the financial world and find people that perhaps you respect, admire, you consider to be role models. What did they do to get to where they are? Did they get the CISI or a, a CFP or a CPA or whatever and make a better decision that way. You know, and as far as whether major banks want these types of certificates, again, that's very case by case. It's not like an MBA where I know in certain managerial roles at certain companies, especially in the business world, they do want the MBA. It's a prereq. And in those cases, I find in a lot of companies that are generous, that have money to invest into their employees, if they if it's important to them, they will help you accomplish that financially in some way, shape, or form, whether it's allowing you to work part-time and attend part-time, maybe they're, they'll give you some money to go and accomplish that certificate with the expectation that you'll come back and work at the company. So that's something else to research. If there's a, a company that you want to work for, you know a specific title you want to have at that company, a good question to ask HR or to ask people who work there is, you know, can I advance at this job and maybe get the certificate while I'm on the job? Or do I have to have it on my own and then apply? And does it is it is it required or is it just something that is a nice to have? Sounds like you just have to do a little bit more homework. Unfortunately, I have not heard of the CISI. I have no idea what that is. Do you know what that is, Sophia? I do not. I had to Google it myself. (laughs) I mean, I'm looking it up. Literally, the first thing that comes up is 
Cultural Insurance Services International. I don't think that's what he's talking about. Chartered Institute for Securities and Investment. That might be what he is looking into. And, you know, talk to the CISI people and say, if I get this, what what does this qualify me to do necessarily? They should know. Um, so good luck with that. And, and like always, tell us how things pan out if you end up getting it and, and how it helps you. Thanks, Kevin. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from. The drag-and-drop editor. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your website today. The result is stunning. All right. So before John gets into his question, he just wanted to give you a little comment saying that he appreciates the authenticity, structure, and sound quality of your podcast. Thanks, John. Not everyone would agree with you. (laughs) We've gotten the complete opposite comment as well, but I really appreciate that. Thanks for saying that it's authentic. We have no scripts here. (laughs) He's 29, and two years ago, he inherited $40,000. He spent most of it and now has about $5,000 worth of credit card debt. He has $10,000 in a mutual fund, but he's finally on a positive trajectory and wants to know if he should wipe out the debt with the leftover $10,000 he has and move on. Hmm. There's so much psychology that goes into why we make financial decisions and, and, and psychology, I mean, our emotions, we should listen to them. If this is something that is a burden to you, an emotional burden, psychologically, it's keeping you up at night and you feel as though once this $5,000 is out of the picture, you can really feel better about yourself, your life, more confident in the decisions that you want to make. Then I think that is not uh, something to ignore you know, whatever, if it's $10,000 in a mutual fund and you want to take half of it out, put it towards the credit card debt, fine. But here's what I want you to commit to truly from there is to be extremely aggressive with saving, extremely aggressive with investing. You're 29 years old. You're young. This is really the time in your life to be saving and investing aggressively and making money. You're going to be entering your prime earning years pretty soon. Our prime earning years being, you know, in our thirties and in our forties. Prepare for that. And I'm, you know, sad to hear that you almost lost all those $40,000. I, I don't know if, uh, you learned any lessons from that, but definitely make a commitment to being a lot more conservative going forward with your saving and your investing. And yeah, if it means in taking a little bit of a couple steps back in that mutual fund to, to pay off that credit card debt, because you're going to feel right uh, to, to take on the rest of your financial life with vigor, then do it, John. I think that you know what you have to do. Sometimes in life, you have to take a few steps back in order to move forward. And if this is what's going to 
take to get you to be more financially solvent and to make more empowered decisions around money, then so be it. All right. So our next question comes from Janet. Janet said she just turned 59 and she's contemplating retirement. And her and her husband have been working with financial planner for over a decade. So they're in great shape. But she wanted to know how much money you need for a secure retirement. Her main concerns are running out of money or running into medical problems and maybe needing to put some money aside for that. Um, and she's considering hybrid annuities that Tony Robbins speaks about in his book. So wants to know if you have any specific recommendations. All right. So Janet is wondering what a lot of us wonder about, which is how much do I need? What is my number for retirement? And, you know, Janet, there's no overarching amount of money. I think more is more in retirement, especially as you point out, there's the unknown about medical costs. The first thing I would do if I were you, and this is what I would tell anybody, is to run your numbers, specifically your numbers and your hypothetical situations. There's There are a lot of websites out there that can create great ballpark figures for you. You run through their calculators. One is choose to choosetosave.org. O-R-G. I like that one because it's pretty comprehensive. It does take into account, you know, your projected, your anticipated medical costs. We don't really know what that's going to be, but you can maybe think about your current pharmaceutical expenses, your uh, current medical payout, whether, you know, you're going to see your doctor. Some of those will be covered through Medicare as you age, but uh, better to be conservative than uh, to underestimate, you know, what your costs will be in that department in, in retirement, just be a little bit more uh, overestimating, I suppose, to be on the safer side. But they will ask you questions like, how much have you saved? What is your expected social security payout? What are some of the potential pensions you'll be receiving? From there, it crunches the numbers and tells you approximately how much you would probably be best having in the bank upon retirement. It also asks you, of course, for your expected retirement age. That's the first step run the numbers and then compare it to where you are now. Maybe you'll discover that you're in a safe zone, that you're doing great. Maybe you discover that it wouldn't be a bad idea to work an extra couple of years than what you were planning. The other rule of thumb is that whatever you enter retirement with, let's say you enter retirement with a million dollars, conservatively, you want to be withdrawing on that money about 4% every year and live off that. If you can do that, uh, that would be great because that money will then mathematically, it should last you like 30, 35 years. Um, but if you think you'll need more than 4%, then that tells you that you want to increase your savings sooner than later. Annuities, I don't know so much about the particular hybrid annuity you're mentioning in Tony's. Of course, Tony was on the podcast episode one, and he's got a lot of great ideas about kind of alternative planning, alternative investing, and the one thing I will say about annuities is that, you know, they get a bad rap and I think for a good reason. They can be very expensive. The fees that are often tied to annuities can outweigh the benefits sometimes. But that said, I think I would never say that nobody should get an annuity. I think that this is a situation where you really want to consult with a financial advisor who can better assess your situation, your risk tolerance, and look online, you know, read Google annuity. You will come up with a ton of articles from leading publications and, and experts about the good, bad, and the ugly. So do some homework on that. Definitely not something you want to 
jump into. Yeah, Sophia, you know, you're young. You probably have never even heard of an annuity, but this is something that <laughs> as you approach retirement, the insurance companies can really come chasing you down to buy one. Okay, let's uh, answer some more questions. All right. So the last question is actually from Vanessa. Vanessa makes about $40,000 a year working for a nonprofit. And even with her monthly expenses, she still has some spending money left over each month. Um, But she feels like she's kind of getting close to living paycheck to paycheck and wants to know if you have any suggestions for how she can cut down on extra spending. Well, you know what I want to do is make more money, Vanessa, right? I mean, like you've said, you've done everything you can to save, it seems. And yet you're not making super strides and it still even feels like paycheck to paycheck. So maybe what the universe is telling you is that you should make an extra few thousand dollars a year. And can you do that? I mean, I'm writing in our article right now for Oprah. I'm in the midst of it of how we can make an extra 500 a month. That's 6,000 a year. Wouldn't that be nice? There are so many ways, you know, through the internet, whether it's through the so the sharing economy, participating in that, Airbnb, Uber, you know, that's a little much, I think. But I there are easier ways like uh, selling your stuff. There are ways you can find quick gigs on taskrabbit.com, elance.com. If you like to teach, you can go to tutor.com. So yeah, I'm going to be annoying and tell you that you should instead focus on how to make more money than how to save. But if you want to you know, squeeze some more savings out of your existing uh, budget, even with some of our bigger fixed costs like our rent and car expenses and um, utilities, there are ways to knock those costs down. And simply through negotiation, have you talked to your landlord about renewing your lease? And if you are approaching a renewal, this could be a really great time to say, hey, if I lock in you know, two years or three years with you, can I get a little bit of a discount every month? I mean, cash is king. Keep that in mind as you're negotiating anything. Um, but like I just did, I just got rid of cable. I'm still standing. I'm still going to find a way to see all my shows. The lesson there, I think, is like, look at all of your expenses. And even though you may think that you can't be without certain things as you're so used to it, try not having it for a couple of months. And then if worse comes to worse, if your life deteriorates, then, you know, renew those accounts. But see some, what are some of the recurring expenses that you have that aren't needs that are more just uh, affordable wants, but collectively they may be taking a big bite, a big bite out of your budget. Get rid of some of those things temporarily at least, just to see how things go. And for inspiration, we have some guests on this podcast who have gone on spending fasts. One of them is Kate Flanders, that's C-A-I-T Flanders. And then also check out Mrs. Frugal Woods. She's the best. She uh, at the time was expecting a child. I think she's um, had her child now. And she and her husband, their goal was to, I think, retire by like 35. And I mean, they're like 33 now. So <laughs> they're accelerating their retirement plan. And along that journey, they are cutting a ton of costs. So listen to those two episodes at least. This comes up a lot on So Money. But those two episodes in particular focused a lot on how to cut costs and to do so without really you know, impacting your life. Good luck to you. And let me know what you end up doing. And maybe there's some uh, some ideas for all of us to, to, uh, to learn from. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you so much, Sophia. Looking forward to hearing your So Money moment next Friday. And mine as well. as well. <laughs> we have so many great financial decisions to make that are awaiting us. 
Thank you, Vanessa, Janet, John, Kevin, and Jeff. And I hope everyone has a great weekend. You know how to reach me, right? Go to somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh, and send me in your question for the following or for the forthcoming Ask Farnoosh episodes. Thanks so much and hope your day is so money. Money.